Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cosmic Connection. This is your place to explore the order and the beauty of the cosmos and your connection to it all. My name is Amanda Poole-Walsh. I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. I am here with our favorite celestial navigator, Rick Merlin Levine. And I was telling Rick when we were backstage that I am extraordinarily excited for today's forecast because- And what did Rick say? He said, calm down. And then I said, don't make me. And he said, I would never make some, I would never make anyone that I like do anything. And I said, thank you. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> yes. Um, but I don't know about all of you, but I feel this like something about the fall and the months to come that just feels really big. And I don't know what it is, but there's just something that feels like it's really brewing. And, and, and to me, Rick, and I know we'll go into this, it almost feels like the, the next few months are lumped together as like an experience, you know, like we've had the, the, the first part of the year and now like this is the last part of the year and it feels like one thing. Um, so I'd love to yeah. ask you. Well, in a way, and, and in a way it is because we've been in this kind of holding back, holding back, all the planets kind of have gone retrograde. And now they've begun to turn direct. And in October, they go bing, 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 bing. And um, and so there is definitely move, movement forward. But I agree that it really, I don't think it's going to be until next year. I really don't think it's going to be till the end of next year when we really feel like we're in like really new territory. I mean, I think things are already beginning to change, but it's too soon to tell how they're changing. Agreed. Okay, awesome. We're going to go into it soon. I wanted to make one announcement, and that is that the cosmic connection between now and the end of the year will be doing just the, the monthly forecast. So the last Thursday of each month, we'll be doing the month ahead forecast. In January, we will reignite the cosmic connection on a more continuous basis, including the monthly forecast. Uh, but I just want to let you know, if you miss Rick in between, you're going, where'd Rick go and what's happening? That's what's I'm happening between here. now and then. He's still here. And and we're at Astrology Hub, we're moving more towards uh, seasons for shows. So shows have a season and then there's a break and then we'll come back. And so I'll get better at communicating that with you, but we're sort of in the process of working it all out. Um, so that's what's happening with Cosmic Connection. And I did give Rick the free reign to go beyond the boundaries of October today. So we're not just going to be talking about October because like I said, it does feel like a an end of the year clump of something, you know, some sort of energy that I was hoping he could talk about all of it. And uh, so last month, our theme was complicated cross currents and we're still working out the theme for October, but let's let's start that process, Rick. Yeah, but before we jump in, I just wanted to say also that you may notice that I'm not in my regular my, my, my regular place. Let's see if I can get a um, I, I am at a um, a cabin up in the high peaks of the Adirondack Mountains, and I drove from Seattle to New York um, cross country, and I spent last weekend. Uh, at a conference at Omega with our uh, friend Ann Ortley and a few other, uh, Maurice Fernandez and Catherine Andrin and Kay Taylor. 
at a um, an astrology conference at Omega Institute um, in upstate New York. Well, upstate if you're living in New York City. And there were a fair amount of astrology hubbers there. So for those of you that were there, hello again. For those of you who weren't, it was a fantastic, amazing, amazing weekend. A lot of good astrology, a lot of good camaraderie. And um, and now I get to hang out in this amazing place um, near, or not near, about 200 feet from Loon Lake, which is one of the magical lakes in the high peaks of the Adirondacks. And so if there's strange light and whatever going on, it's uh, it's because I'm not, and there's no flowers because no, I'm no not flower, in my, I'm, I'm not in my normal environment. So I told him that it looks like something out of Lord of the Rings where he is. Like it just, it, it seems very magical where you are. So as long as it's not Lord of the Flies, we're okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So let's talk about the theme and, and what you're seeing for October and the, and the next few months ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th I think that rather than drilling down really deep on any one thing right away, I think the, the thing that stands out to me that is, is quite significant, the thing that strikes me about October is that on October 6th, Pluto turns direct. Now, remember, we've been coming off this period of time where where literally everything, um, all the outer planets were retrograde, and now one by one, they are turning direct. And so uh, we have in the month of October, we have Pluto turning direct on October 6, Saturn turning direct on October 10, Jupiter turning direct on October 17, and remember, Mercury just turned retrograde, and oh boy, can I attest to that. But Mercury turns direct on October 18. So we have this very strange uh, a kind of shifting of energy where the planets one by one by one by one there are, are, turning, are turning direct. And that actually continues um, through the rest of the year because... Um, once we get into November, and I know we have permission now to kind of just peek ahead a little bit, but once we get into November, um, we have uh, first we have uh, we have a couple we have eclipses in November. By the way, that start that's going to be another whole topic. But we have Neptune that turns direct in in mid November. I think it's. Um, um, Oh, no, it actually doesn't turn direct until December 1st. Neptune turns direct. And um, and then we have Chiron turning direct on December 19th. But here's the crazy thing is that we're not out of this retrograde phase yet because Venus turns retrograde on December 19. And so we end the year with um, Venus, one of the personal planets, beginning to turn or, or turning um, retrograde, and it will uh, stay retrograde through um, mid and January. But we have two other things at the end of the year that are really significant that are already building up energy now. And one of them is the third and final exact square between Saturn and Uranus, which has 
informed, I might even say plagued, but it certainly informed the entire year of 2021 um, because we were already feeling it in January. The first exact square of Saturn and Uranus was in February. Then the retrograde square was in June. And the third and final exact square is um, on, well, depending on where you are on the planet, it's either on Christmas Eve Eve, the 23rd of December, or on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve. And so that's going to make a really uh, uh, interesting twist to the holiday period of, of time. And just remember, though, and although, although I have permission to talk about the rest of the year, I'm going to actually just say a sentence about 2022, because although the third and final Saturn-Uranus square is exact on December 23rd or 24th, they come very close to being square again in the fall in September, October of um, 2022. Mm-hmm. And it's just enough to wreak havoc, I think, on the uh, um, on the uh, um, midterm elections of 2022. Um, that is going to be something we will drill down on. But I'm I'm the astrologer who always says, "Oh no, there's no such thing as a bad chart. Oh, every chart has this chart does not look nice at all." Um, that's for election day of 2022. But the point here is, as we get closer to the year. And as these planets turn direct, um, remember Saturn turns direct on October 10th and, and Saturn is, um, has retrograded all the way back to, um, seven, actually six and change of, of, of Aquarius. And Uranus is like at about 13 of Taurus. So using higher mathematics, we can go six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. That square has widened to about seven degrees. But when Saturn turns direct on October 10th, Saturn begins to catch back up and that closes from seven degrees to zero degrees by Christmas Eve, Eve. And so I think that all of October, starting in the middle of the month, and then November, and then into December, we're going to see this stress, this tension, um, whether it's economics, whether it's um, um, politics related, whether it's COVID related, whether it's individual, personal, personal relationship related, we're going to see this, these issues that have been with us since the beginning of the year of what I like to simplify as the old versus the the new. Of course, it's way more than that. And Amanda, you and I have had several sessions now where we've talked about that Saturn square um, Uranus. And I would suggest people go back and pick up, listen to um, that one or two where we really did a deep dive on that, because that's going to be the background of everything that's happening for, for the rest of the year. Hmm. And Rick, if you had to choose a few more words to describe the Saturn Uranus square, and I know you just directed everyone back, um, which it would be a great thing to do. But for now, so we have old versus new. So this clash between the old versus new. Would you also say a clash between freedom and control? 
Would that be another two keywords you would use? Yeah, that would that, those would be good. Um, control being Saturn and, and and freedom being Uranus. Maybe independence better than freedom. I'm not sure what the difference is really, but but yeah, uh, independence versus control. Independence versus okay. control. Uh -huh. But but there are other words because remember Saturn. Saturn is is dad. You know, Saturn lays down the rules. Saturn is the principal at school. Saturn is the um, is 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 the cop who's standing by your car when you've been busted for speeding. Saturn is authority, whether it's false authority or true authority. Saturn is the 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 figure. The, the 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 Saturn figure is the person who holds authority. It might be a um, minister or a priest or or a parole officer if you happen to have one. Um, Saturn is the rules. It's the law that is laid down. Uranus is 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 kind of the irrepressible urge to rebel against. Excuse me, to rebel against Saturn. Uranus is the rule breaker. Uranus is is the scientist who develops something that's impossible. And and I you've heard me say this many many times. William Blake wrote what is now proved was once only imagined. And the imagination part of that is the Jupiter Neptune, but then Saturn says this is the this is the the scientific law. You can't do that. We're heavier than gravity. You can dream about flying, but we can't fly. And then on a Uranian day by two Uranian bicycle mechanics, all of a sudden we're heavier than air and we're flying. It's impossible, but we break the law. And then that law becomes has to be amended. And this is Uranus's job is not to just lean into Saturn to push up against it with good ideas or opinions. That's Jupiter's job. Uranus's job is to say, who gives a crap about the wall? Bam, it's gone. <laughs> and, so, and so Uranus is that instantaneous breaking down the wall, not pushing up against it, but just dynamiting it, blowing it up, um, imagining that it's not there all of a sudden. And so, and so we, we have Uranian figures. I think one of the classic, I don't know if it can be classic if it's still only in the last 40 years or so, but to me, one of the classic Uranian figures is Doc in Back to the Future. Yes. You know, he's broken all the rules and you're sure he's crazy. He's nuts. But he does it anyhow, and he makes it work. I mean, suspending belief in, in the movie. Um, you know, Albert Einstein is a Uranian figure. A Uranian figure is someone who breaks the rule, but knows the rules well enough sometimes that they either can get away with it or they end up in jail. I, I think of Angela Davis, um, you know, who was uh, uh, a radical involved with the Black Panthers, a an, an avowed communist, but a brilliant woman going all the way back to the mid-60s. I mean, she's a professor emer emer emeritus um, at the University of California. She has multiple PhDs, and she's still a radical. And um, and But she's not just pushing against stuff, she's exploding it. And so... And so Saturn is the containment. 
And it's almost like when Saturn gets brittle, Uranus comes in and shatters the 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 fragility of what once was the structure. And you see, Saturn has to be animated because you know you think of a tree. Uh, a tree has structure. One of the one of the trees that often is found near rivers, um, and it's more it's wetter than many trees is a willow. And the strength of the willow is that it bends. And what happens is that that bending or flexibility is is an organic process. And when Saturn gets too dry, because Saturn is dry, when Saturn gets too dry, instead of bending, those branches actually break. And that is a Uranian energy. Um, Rob Hand says that when you have Saturn and Uranus together, Rob Hand being, um, you know, w- one of the bright astrologers on the planet, um, whose books are in pretty much every astrologer's library, Rob Hand um, wrote that when Saturn and Uranus are are together, it's an irrepressible force meeting an immovable object. Got it? Uranus is the irrepressible force. It's not going to be quiet because the teacher, the authority, the boss, the speed limit says you can't go faster than 27 miles an hour. Uranus says, I don't give a crap what you say. This is a freeway. I'm going 75, you know. Um, And so Uranus is an irrepressible force, but it's butting up against an, an, an immovable object and something has to give. Something either has to bend or break. Mm-hmm. or be suppressed and sometimes suppressed violently. Remember, Uranus was discovered right right between the American Revolution, or as the Brits call it, you know, the war against England, <laughs> the American uh, war against England, um, and the French Revolution. But with both of their frailties and or shortcomings. Both the American Revolution and the French Revolution were both about individual freedom against a monarchy, against a um, ordained authority that just had power, whether it earned it or not. And so that that is very, very telling. And obviously where we are in American history, you know, coming into uh, a year or two where the United States is experiencing its Pluto return, just like we individuals experience a Saturn return at 2930, that's very architectonic in our lives just as those of us who live um, older um, experience a Uranus return at 84, um, none of us experience, well, uh, none of us that are um, non-aliens, none of us experience a Pluto return because that requires 243, 244 years. Yet a country does. And so the United States is going through the beginnings of its death rebirth process, its plutonic transformation at that Pluto return. And into that, we have this Uranus-Pluto square, where we have this apparently irrepressible urge for personal freedom, personal sovereignty on many different fronts, and an authority that basically is suppressing it. Now, the thing is that this is tricky stuff, because you can play this in the United States politically either way and say that the 
other side, whichever side you happen to identify with, is the Saturnian, you know, suppressor, and we are about freedom, whereas the other side has an exactly flipped um, perception of what's going on. But this is Saturn and Uranus playing out all through the year. And so in October, as Saturn moves, Saturn's moving really slowly now because it's getting closer to its, um, it, it, its retrograde. Um, in fact, on October 1st, Saturn is at um, just barely seven degrees. It's six degrees, 57 minutes of Aquarius. Saturn, um, by the end of November, is only at nine degrees of Aquarius. So Saturn is barely, barely moving. In fact, coming back to the beginning of October, um, it being at just barely seven degrees, um, if we look at um, Saturn at on October 15th, it's still just barely seven degrees. It's six degrees, 54 minutes. And if we look at it again on the 1st of November, it's still only seven degrees and 10 minutes. It hasn't even moved a quarter of a degree for the entire month of, of October. And remember, uh, Rick's rule, and it's not just Rick's rule, but I, I, I like to say it as that because it's a gross oversimplification. And that is the slower moving planet is always more powerful than the faster moving planet. Granted, a faster moving planet can be a trigger that can appear more resonant, explosive, acute, if you will, whereas the slower moving planets are more chronic. Now, when a slow moving planet like Saturn slows down to turn retrograde, it becomes even more Saturnian. So we can expect through the month of October, even though Saturn is turning direct, it's barely moved from the beginning of October to the end of October, which would mean to me, or at least it would suggest that the structure, the structures, and those structures can be any structure that you have a strong opinion about one side or the other, but the structures are entrenched. I would not expect a lot of movement, even though there may be a lot of noise again, and even a lot of things getting ready to move forward. Because remember, the planets are moving forward one at a time all month with Pluto moving direct first, then Saturn, then Jupiter, and then Mercury. And and so it's an extraordinary month because of, of maybe that's the, the theme for the month. Maybe it's holding pattern. You know, it's almost like where it, it I mean, with Mercury retrograde in, until um, the middle of the month. And then even though it turns direct um, on the 18th, um, Mercury turning direct on the 18th, Mercury is, is at about um, um, 10 degrees of, of, of Libra. That's on the 15th. By the 22nd in a week, it's only moved one degree. It's at 11 degrees of Libra. And by the end of the month, it's um, moved another five, six degrees. It's at, at 19 degrees of Libra. So Mercury, even in this whole picture, even though it turns direct, 
is still within its shadow. It's still holding on to energy. And I think that there's a lot of holding energy within this month. And yet there's a couple of lunations, uh, a, a new moon followed by a full moon. And I don't think either of them look particularly pretty. Okay, so question for you in terms of this holding pattern, that makes me think that things are just a little bit frozen. But do you think there will be like a digging in, like like the heels digging in and and it it becoming even more quote unquote immovable or seemingly immovable? Or do you think that we're just sort of like coasting or or you know frozen in time a little bit? That's what the holding pattern makes me think of. No, and, I and actually you- I actually think that there's gonna be some digging in. And I think that as we dig in, we're digging in because more stuff is coming out. There's wow. more movement. There's more. I mean, I know that sounds um, uh, contradictory, but it's like because there's more stuff coming out, then there's more holding back and and preventing that stuff that's coming out to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I don't think this is a particular issue, whether it's government funding, whether it's you know, whether it's uh, red blue politics, whether it's um, um, uh, you know vaccination stuff. I mean, um, w- one cannot help but but note that Facebook and um, uh, and and YouTube just put another level of hammer down, and it doesn't really matter you know, what side of any spectrum you're on, you can say that it's really healthy. Some people will hold that position that all these people who are stirring up, you know, negativity and preventing people from getting vaccinated, um, that, that that they should be silenced. I'm not touching that issue. I'm only saying that it doesn't matter how you cut it, that's suppression of free speech. And so we see um, the, the, this country that's built on free speech, even though, and here's here's how things flip, even though one might have said for the last several years that the Republicans um, were anti-free speech because they were controlling so many things, well, that's now flipped. And again, I'm, I'm carefully, I'm not judging what side is right or wrong. We all have our opinions and most of them are so strong that that's part of this square energy that there's no resolution. But the point is that I believe through October, more stuff is going to come out, but it's not going to necessarily loosen the log. We talked about the log jam last month. I don't think we have a key log yet. I don't think the logs are flowing. I don't think that's going to happen until the beginning of the new year after the third and final Saturn square Uranus and also at the end of the year, and we didn't say this earlier, um, that um, Jupiter, which has moved back into... um, uh, uh, back into um, Aquarius, Jupiter moves into Pisces on December 28th. And so that's, again, pushing us back into new ground. We're in remedial territory not right now, you know, with Jupiter kind of trying to find that equilibrium socially, and it's not going to happen. Okay, another question on the Saturn-Uranus square storyline that we've been living through. So we had the first one in January. We had first this- one in February. February. Jupiter was there in January, and and the energy was already pushing around yeah. the January sixth time. But it wasn't till mid February 
that that it actually the Saturn um, Uranus was exact. Okay, and if something happens three times, the first one is kind of like I love how you always say that was my opening volley. Like the first one is sort of the here's the content of this story. The second one is is revisiting that or is accelerating often, that. Uh, uh, often, it? often either or both. Or see here here's the thing. Often outer planet transits because of they be, because they go direct, retrograde, and direct. There's three passes. Now right. with Neptune and Pluto, there can be five, and with some mundane events, there can even be seven. There were there were seven squares between Uranus and Pluto between 2012 and 2015. But the three times is what happens most often in um, in transits, and. It really depends on what you do or don't do at the first transit as to what happens in the second and third. So here's how it works. If at the first transit, you, I, I, I say you, you, Amanda, me, Rick, the United States, uh, humanity, you know, if at the first transit, um, you or we actually see what the problem is and engage it, and begin working on it, by the time we get to the second one, we get another bump and we get almost like, it's like a midterm exam. How am I doing? You know, and, and often the things that I need to work on become much more difficult because we haven't been attending to them. Um, but often it feels like, because most often we are in total denial, <laughs> um, individually and um, and culturally. But but most often it works like this. It's like you're driving down a freeway and you're in the far left lane and the first of the three transits occurs and you see a sign, you know, your exit, you know, uh, one quarter mile and you got four lanes of traffic on this interstate and you go, oh shit. And you, and you put your signal on and you go into panic mode and you get over and you get over and you get over and then the truck cuts you off and you break and you pull back. And finally you get over into that lane just in time and you get off. And as you're on that um, exit ramp, you go and you kind of put your cruise control on and you put your music up, you put your feet up on, on the dashboard or whatever you do. And, and just as you're getting ready to relax, you see the sign for your exit that you thought you passed and already, you know, you see your sign for your exit. This time you're in the right lane and it's five lanes to the left in order to get off and you're in the wrong lane. And you go, I just, I was, this is, this is Yogi Berra saying deja vu all over again. You know, it's, it's like, wait a minute, I was just here, but now it's all familiar. But typically, it's the other side of the coin. Often, what we do to get off the freeway um, on the first pass, typically, we've overreacted somehow. And by the time we get to the second, we go, oh, no, that wasn't right at all. You know, I shouldn't have quit my job, or I shouldn't have taken that job, or we moved in with each other too early, or we left too soon, or I shouldn't have, I, whatever it is, it comes back up and you're now seeing it from the other side. And there's still time to work on it because then we get to the third, which is like now we see that same exit again. And once again, we're all in the wrong place. And we, so it's like we get three chances, but the less we attend to it on phase one and phase two, 
the more difficult or even impossible it becomes on phase three. The more work we do on phase one and phase two, the more phase three is just a confirmation that you're on the right track. And what typically happens is it's not all or one. Typically what happens is we've been doing amazingly well at work and we've been working extra hours and we get promotions and we get, we make some extra money and our husband or wife leaves us <laughs> because we haven't been paying attention to the, I mean, I'm, I'm over dramatizing it, but typically it's not all or nothing. It's where we've been putting in the effort tends to work out and where we haven't tends to fall apart. But often I hear people saying, oh, I'm so glad my Saturn return only happens once because some people get like a Saturn return or a Saturn transiting conjunction or square, their sun or moon or ascendant. Sometimes it just happens to hit it at that point where it goes across and then it comes back, but not far enough. And so sometimes we get transits once and sometimes we get it three times, which in Saturn's case means that that will last for about eight or nine months, a, a roughly a gestation period of time for a human. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh my God, I'm so lucky that I'm getting only one hit on my Saturn transit. You know, when this happened, I got three hits and all I can think of that's exactly backwards because when there's only one hit, it's going to hit with full force all at once, and it's often um, shattering. It's often more difficult to incorporate. Now, when it happens three times, it may stretch out over a year, but sometimes these transits in, um, um, uh, impact us in a way that the changes that we make are changes that literally, actually take a year to unfold and manifest. And so... So often the three strikes, and it's interesting, it's three strikes and you're out, um, that the three strikes are very important. And, and yet it's also, it's too late to go back and do anything um, on the, on the February, um, mid-February, February 12th, I think it was, um, and or the flag day, February or June 14th. It's too late to change either of those events in it for us personally or culturally, but we can before the third one um, smacks us upside the head because we're still in denial come Christmas, we can begin to look at what was going on in my life back in January, February, and March. And what was going on in my life in June that I might in some way be able to draw a connector line a, 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 an arc to what was going on earlier in the year. And what is it in my life that may still be resolved? Or even if I think it's resolved, what is it that could come back up as I get closer to the end of the year that are loose ends that I haven't yet dealt with that have to do with things that began back in January, February, kind of came to a second round of, of um, crisis, if you will, um, in June and then come to a third and final crisis in December. However, noting that Saturn and Uranus come back close together, even though they're not exact, next fall, uh, next autumn in 2022. And so even though we may think finally in January, February, we're done I don't think we're going to be quite done yet. I still think we have some residual work to do. And I think it's going to come up politically as a midterm election.
It's that midterm election with Mars retrograde, and I want to talk about it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we have these the three passes. This one, what we can be doing between now and December is looking at areas of our life that we have maybe been ignoring, loose ends that we need to tie up around the themes that we've been dealing with since January, February, March of 2021, and put some energy towards those things. Don't have our head in the sand anymore. Be willing to look at them and do what we need to do. So the third pass is coming in December. And then like you're saying, it's not just, it's not totally the end of the story because then we have next fall of 2022, we'll have um, it come, come around almost exactly again. So what we've talked about so far as well is October and all these planets starting to turn retrograde, starting to tur turn direct while Mercury's retrograde and how this is creating a little bit of a holding pattern, but like a holding pattern that's getting like deeply entrenched in whatever it's in. And you brought up briefly the new and the full moon and that you're looking at those and going, uh-oh. So tell us what you're seeing with the new and the full moons. Well, let's, let's look at the, the, um, the, the new moon first, which um, is at 4.05 a.m. and that's Pacific Daylight Time on October 6th. October 6th. And before we started, your uh, 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 trusty um, um, ast astrology hub uh, companion, uh, Jamie, said, "What about what about October eighth, ninth, and tenth?" And that's all part of this. But on October sixth, we have a new moon in mid Libra. The moon is actually at thirteen degrees Libra. 25 minutes, so about 13 and a half degrees. We have Mars at 13 degrees, 59 minutes. That means that this new moon is conjoined to Mars partile, same degree, 1313, and within, almost within a half a degree. It's actually just a few, a few minutes of arc over a half, of, half a degree, but we could say half a degree. And a half a degree conjunction with a new moon to a planet is strong. So this new moon is conjunct Mars in Libra. And remember, Mars is at 13 Libra 59 minutes at the moment of the new moon. And Uranus is at 13 degrees Taurus 56 minutes. That's three minutes of arc away. That's one twentieth of a degree quincunx mars and the new moon the new the new moon the sun and mars are all partile quincunx that's five twelfths of a circle to uranus and um, for those of you who have taken my quincunx workshop you know that quincunxes are the annoying mosquito in your bedroom as you're falling asleep Quincunxes are not being able to get the the music um, at the right level. It's either too loud and then it jumps to too soft. It's too loud. It's too soft. It, there, it's annoying. It, it's totally and 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 annoying doesn't sound bad until something is annoying for a long period of time and doesn't stop annoying you. And then it kind of gets it gets to you. And so, what does this mean? 
remember Uranus is the planet having to do with breaking through through and breaking free from the restraints of Saturn. And so this new moon, it's not at odds with Uranus. It just can't quite settle in to a relationship because with Uranus, because the, the new moon in Libra is basically all about seeking balance and harmony. Remember, Libra is not balanced. It's not harmonized. It's seeking balance and seeking harmony. And the action of a, of, of a Libra is that of the diplomat. It's here's hot, here's, here's hot, here's cold. And the Libra is going back and forth trying to get them to work it out until there's some, some balance. The, the Libra is the, is the um, therapist, the uh, relationship counselor. Here's Joe and here's Susie. And they're like bent out of shape. And the Libran comes in the middle and says, I'll be the go-between, I'll be the shuttle diplomat, and we'll try to work it all out. So we have the new moon in Libra, which is planting a seed for new diplomacy, if you will. But we have it lined up with Mars, and Mars is about assertion and aggression. Now, Mars is at home in Aries. That's its primary domicile or home. When a planet is as far away from its home as it can get, we call that planet in its detriment or in its exile. It's it's far from home. So Mars in Libra, um, in traditional astrology and Hellenistic astrology, Mars in Libra is not thoroughly happy. Not that it can't be functional, but it's operating far away from its familiar territory. How is that? Well, in Aries, if it gets hit, it's going to hit back. <laughs> you know, in, in Aries, Mars is going to jump in and be the superhero and take care of shit and just make it happen. But in Libra, it can't do that because it's always having to take the... Yeah, I, th- I think of Mars and Libra in some way as Joni Mitchell's song, I've looked at clouds from both sides now. You know, it's from up and down, from good and bad, from yes and no, from his and hers, and and, and that... And in some ways, it has to act in a manner that takes both of those things into into um, consideration. And yet the problem is that the new moon conjunct Mars, which is feisty, fiery, and wants to hit back, is kind of like, oh, my God, I, got, I can't because the, the, the situation, and if I say the word political situation, I don't mean governmental in any government. I mean, the dynamics of our own interpersonal political situations are such that there's, it's more complicated. We got to find that even ground. And what that does is that makes Uranus unhappy because Uranus isn't being acknowledged because Uranus is about that instantaneous breaking free from the restraints when Uranus has something that is, you know, imbalanced. Uh, I don't, I don't mean in balance. I mean, I don't mean in balance. I mean, imbalanced. When something is out of balance, Uranus is going to come through and kapow, strike the lightning and put it back in balance. And yet, because Uranus is quincunx, um, the new moon, I don't think it's going to be able to do that. And yet this is, I think, a, um, a setup for acting with aggression and assertion, Mars, out of frustration because it's not getting 
anywhere to where it needs to get to. And so something is then overreacted. That's the Iranian thing coming in out of left field and and turning this into something. I don't know what's going to happen that day, um, but I do think that this new moon sets up a, a, a pretty rugged dynamic of not being able to resolve the tension and yet people taking risks or doing something crazy to try to make it okay. Okay. And so this is October 6th. Correct. And around this period. So places where people are feeling frustrated because of perceived injustice or perceived authority um, holding people down, you know, whatever those are, that's, you see that that will become more aggravated potentially without a resolution, which means that people may, may go towards uh, aggression and, and, yes. and, and force. Two other things here. And that is that the, that the new moon is also a half of a square to Venus. And that is also stress and tension. Venus and Scorpio is the passion of, 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 and the desire of knowing that it's moving in, in a direction that it needs to move in. And so there's a lot of energy tied up with this. And there is, however, a saving grace. And the saving grace is that the new moon and Mars are just about almost, if you weight them all together, they're just about almost 14 degrees of Libra because the sun and the moon are at 13 and a half and Mars is at 1359. It's really 14, like a one minute um, one one sixtieth of a degree of, of being exactly 14 degrees Libra. Well, if you look at Jupiter and Saturn, um, which, you know, they aligned back last December and they're both in Aquarius again because they've, because Jupiter had moved into Pisces and it backed up into Aquarius. So Saturn is at about six degrees of Aquarius and Jupiter is in the 22nd, 22 degrees of Aquarius. The halfway point, the midpoint, between Jupiter and Saturn is 14 degrees of Aquarius, and that's exactly trine the new moon. So what that means is that there is an out, there is a solution, but the solution has to do with acknowledging Jupiter and Saturn together. What does that mean? Jupiter expansive, Saturn contractive. Saturn the holding back, Jupiter not busting through with lightning striking, but Jupiter kind of saying, let's grow it. Saturn saying, let's pull it back. This is the elusive compromise, not only in American and in British politics, but maybe all over the world. And again, certainly in relationships, that if we can find that happy medium between Saturn and Jupiter, their halfway point, their midpoint, where the two of them are coming together and working naturally, is exactly trying the Mars and new moon and gives us a way to stabilize this and grow. But it takes being aware of what the various sides are and knowing that neither, if we struggle to make either side correct and the other side incorrect, it's not going to work. It, it, the, there will be no compromise. 
And here, um, the I, and, and there are people, again, whether it's an interpersonal uh, relationship issue or whether it's on one of so many um, domestic and or global issues in this country or pretty much any country on the planet right now, the, it, it's, it, it's if we insist on having our way or no way, um, it'll fall apart. We have to find middle ground, and that takes enlightened thinking to go to a place that is acknowledging, I'm not giving up what I believe in. I'm just saying this is a halfway point where we can stay for now while we work out what's coming next, because if we push for resolution now, the the extreme will just become more extreme. Rick, could the resolution point between these two things be outside of the realm of what we see as possible right now? Like, could it be something like completely different? Not, not could it be. I, I, when I lean forward because of my lighting, I, it's my microphone that's kind of all of a sudden putting me in the shadow. <laughs> I'm not in my normal. Let's try that. I don't know if that works. Um, um, it, the answer is, how do I want to say this? It's not that it could be. It's that it absolutely is. And I'll tell you why. Because that Saturn at six degrees of Aquarius and Jupiter at 22 Aquarius, their halfway point is um, 13, 14 degrees of Aquarius. Uranus is at 14 degrees of Aquarius. And so even though Saturn and Uranus are not exactly square now, they will be by Christmas. But even though they're not exactly square right now, the midpoint of the expansive Jupiter contractive Saturn is exactly square Uranus, which, and that Uranus, remember, is quincunx the new moon. So it's that out of the box, that ingenious, that this has never been done, the break all the rules and all the laws. Something happens here, which the only solution is basically coming from somewhere we, we don't know about. A completely different place. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I totally believe that. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so we're seeing this both in the things that are happening in the world and in any context or storyline in our personal lives. So any place where we're saying this is the only way to see it, you're wrong, I'm right, this is the way it is, this is the way it has to be. It's being open to the potential, even though you can't see what that is yet, the potential... Yeah, it- for some sort of res- resolution that could take care of the issue, like could take care of, you know, could sort of like put a wet blanket on the fire, so to speak, and just and be in a, and and bring us to a totally different place. Yes, yeah, I I, I think that is the case, and I, I think more than ever, there. I don't know who said this or where this comes from. You know, I'm a bit of a quote geek, but I don't know where this. I I'm I, I'm quoting someone. Um, not for you that's what you're saying it's not for me and it's where if there are any losers there will not be any winners Mm. and and so typically what happens Mm. in any sort of standoff it's one side wins the other side loses yeah but here if there is a loser the winner will not win not easy but this again is the underlying tone of Saturn and Uranus, that Uranus breaking through the boundaries. Saturn holding on, holding on, holding on, and Uranus saying, okay, you're holding on, you're holding on so tight, 
it's become so brittle that all someone has to do is go, and the right tone will shatter everything, and no one will win. Okay. Well, again, I think the key, at least for me as I'm thinking this through, is not expecting to have the answer of how that's going to, what that, what that, what that's yeah. going to be and yeah. being okay with that and knowing that at some point it'll be obvious. Do you think that that's true? Like at some point it'll, it'll be obvious. Look, I've been saying all year, anyone who knows what's going on doesn't. That's, right. that's been my, that's been my byline for all of 2021. Anyone who knows what's going on, even the experts, even the people who created whatever the scenario is, anyone who knows what's going on doesn't. It's, it reminds me, I think, I don't know if I brought this up last time, but you know, Divine Harmony, the astrologer. Yeah, oh, sure. She's, she's been talking a lot about that analogy of we're all looking at a different part of the anatomy, let's just say, of a huge elephant. And I'm yeah, seeing the elephant leg. story is an old, it's an old Hindu story. Yeah, of, I'm seeing the leg, you're seeing the trunk, someone's seeing the eyes, someone's seeing the ears, going, I'm saying, no, it's a leg. And you're saying, no, it's a trunk. And someone's saying, no, this is, this is eyes. It's like we're all seeing an aspect of the thing, but we're only seeing part of it. So, well, that is true, but I would even take that a step further. And, um, and, and now I do know where this comes from. Anais Nin said, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. So everyone's seeing the elephant as an extension of whatever part of themselves that they are projecting outward. Interesting. Okay. Chew on that for a little bit, you guys. <laughs> All right. So we have this new moon, which has a lot going on, clearly. What else are we looking at? Um, yeah, let me just, um, before we, the full moon is on October 20, but before we jump to that, let me just see if there's anything. I mean, there, there's a lot going on that we're, that we're kind of, I don't say glossing over, um, but we're really trying. Oh, you know, one of the things I noticed about this month in general is that throughout the month, um, let me just give you the list of planets. Um, the, because the because the planets are are kind of the faster moving planets, the Mercury, Venus, Mars, Sun um, are are traveling kind of in a in a bit of a cluster. They're making similar aspects to the slower moving outer planets. And Mercury, the Sun, Mars, and Venus, and Mercury again the end of the month going direct are all going to trine Jupiter. So let me just say that in a different way, that Mercury trines Jupiter on October 3rd, the Sun trines Jupiter on October 15th, Mars trines Jupiter on October 8th, and then oh, Venus sextiles Jupiter, which is like a little trine, on October 28th, and then Mercury um, direct trines Jupiter again on the 31st. This is all big thinking. This is all um, systemic, large thoughts, potential possibilities. Um, this actually is good news as long as we don't become so fixed that our thought or our opinion is the only way. We're back to that only way thing. But it's an interesting scenario when so many planets, there's no bad aspects to Jupiter this month. I say bad. There's no hard aspects. There's no squares um, or or um, or half squares or or oppositions or conjunctions, all the all the aspects to Jupiter this month are trines and sextiles. That's good news. However, Mars, the Sun, Mercury, and Venus, and then Mercury again as it moves direct after turning retrograde, 
all quincunx Uranus. This is the new moon. The new moon is quincunx Uranus. But Mars forms an exact quincunx the day of the new moon on October 6th, as does the sun. Venus forms a quincunx with Uranus from the other side on October 19th. And then Mercury forms another quincunx with Uranus on, on October 24th. What does this mean? This means that all month, that that breakthrough idea, even if it's good, even when it's good, is still, it's quinksy. It doesn't fit in. It's hard to manage. It's hard to see. Even when we have it together, it's still not together. It kind of, it, it kind of escapes a bit. So Rick, if, if people are feeling, I, I don't know, I'd love to hear what people say. If, if you are feeling more identified with Uranus in this storyline, or if you're feeling more identified with Saturn in this storyline. But would you say that if if the issues in your life and and where you're you're feeling this struggle or this tension, if you're feeling more like the Uranian energy in the story that wants to like bust through the structures and create something new and yeah. you know, all that, would you say that then this experience that you just described is going to be more frustrating? For you because you have these big ideas you have these things that you want to change but amanda i think it's going to be frustrating for all of us because if we have the big ideas they're not going to happen the way we think they are and if we don't we're going to have to confront the fact that there are there's movement in big in big scenarios remember it's not just the saturn square uranus which is kind of widened right now it's jupiter is getting such good news all month and Uranus is getting such complications. And so we all see the potential and we all can't quite figure out how to put it together on some wow. level. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that's between the new and the full moon. We have all that going on. Do you want to talk about the full moon next? I I, I do. I just want to check on one other thing here really quickly just to make sure that I'm not completely missing something. And well, people, that what's, is what's interesting is that people yeah. are um, a lot of people are saying they're feeling both. So it's like we're we've internalized yeah. this uh, this square and we're working it out within ourselves, which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. But I would say also, if you're not feeling both, then you're in denial. Ah, <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not acknowledging that the tension that's happening. Interesting. Hmm. And I think that the trines to Jupiter because they can be so positive and so uplifting can put us in a place where we, where we're not paying attention to that Uranian thing, which will zap us. The lightning will strike. It'll get us, you know, um, we have to keep both, both in awareness. Um, I just wanted to mention also, um, that, um, uh, that the sun moves into Scorpio on October 22nd. There's not a lot of sign changing um, this month, um, which is interesting um, because the planets are moving slowly because they're, they're all shifting from, re from retrograde to direct. And, and so, and Mercury, the fastest moving planet is not moving fast at all because it is also retrograde and then shifting uh, to, to direct. Um, but we do have the sun moving into Scorpio on, on October 22nd. And we have Venus moving into Sagittarius the day after the, the new moon, the new moon on October 6th. Venus moves into Sagittarius 
And that's a little bit of open air. That re-emphasizes, I think, or emphasizes all those trines to Jupiter because we like the idea that there is an uplifting solution to everything. And Venus and Sagittarius can pull us up above. I mean, Venus having been in Scorpio, it's been down and dirty and dark. And not that that's not necessary and not that that can't be fun and meaningful. Um, but when Venus goes into Sagittarius, I think the energy does um, raise up a notch, but it also becomes a candidate for um, for denial also. And then Mars moves from Libra into Scorpio at the very end of the month um, on Halloween Eve, if that's such a thing, on October 30th. Um, so those, those are all sign changes that I think are important this month. And then the other thing before we get to the, to the full moon on the 20th, we have Mercury having um, backed all the way up to 10 degrees of 10 and a half degrees, 10 and a little bit of Libra. And Mercury turns direct on October 18th. And so Mercury has been retrograde now for a few days and it stays retrograde all the way through, um, through the 18th. And again, it, through this whole period of time, it's still in its shadow. And that Mercury is making some repetitive, um, tricky aspects. You know, it's making, well, that trine to Jupiter is a three-time pass. The quincunx to Neptune, the semi-square to, um, to uh, Venus. Um, but Mercury um, turns direct just prior to the full moon. And so on the full moon, we're getting a little bit of the flavor of like, oh, Something is happening. We're moving forward. Venus is well into Sagittarius, um, and um, and something something is different. However, okay. oh, however, however, <laughs> there's always the however. Yes, there is. All right. So, um, first of all, the the full moon is in Aries uh, at twenty seven and a half degrees of Aries. Actually, twenty seven degrees twenty six minutes, but. 27 and a half Aries is good enough. That means the sun is at 27 and a half degrees Libra. If the moon is in Aries, what planet rules Aries? Mars. And Mars is still close to the sun because Mars and the sun are kind of moving the same speed. The sun's moving a bit faster from Earth's point of view. But Mars is at 23 degrees of Libra, just four degrees from the sun. So we have this full, we had a new moon that was conjunct Mars mm -hmm. and quincunx Uranus. We now have a full moon that is opposed Mars and square Pluto. And in fact, the Mars square Pluto, um, at, uh, on the day at the time of the full moon, Mars is at 23 degrees of Libra. And it's square Pluto at 24 degrees of Capricorn. So that Mars square Pluto is exact within one degree, within one degree. And so Mars and Pluto square is, can be problematic. And, and, and it's, it's almost like when Mars and Pluto are in a hard angle to one another, it's almost like all of a sudden you've gotten you know, yourself into a, into a nasty neighborhood or in the middle of a marital, you know, something. It's, it's, it's a difficult situation because Mars is the warrior, but Pluto will ultimately win. 
Um, I, I sometimes say that when Mars and Pluto get into a fight, if Mars doesn't win on the first blow, on the first shot, on the first knife swipe, whatever, Pluto will eventually win. And, and the same is true with Aries and Scorpio because um, Aries is is related to Mars and Pluto related to Mars, but also um, related to Pluto, that Scorpio has that staying power that, that, that Pluto has. And so I think it's important to understand that this full moon being square Pluto with Mars very closely square Pluto um, is pretty intense. And, and there's power struggles going here, going on here. Well, duh, there's power struggles going on everywhere on the planet right now. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 almost like 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 a cheap shot. It's like it, it's it's like reaching into a pickle jar and saying, "I got a pickle." I mean, it's like how can you miss, <laughs> you know? Um, and and so we have that that energy of Mars squaring Pluto. It's exact on October twenty first. So when you say Pluto wins, and Pluto's in Capricorn, correct? And yeah. Pluto's been in Capricorn for a while. Never, 2008. Right. So like, what What would that, in, in this storyline, if you had to put archetypal energies with that, what would that look like, Pluto winning? Th that would mean that even if Mars wins a battle, Pluto is still playing through the deeper upheaval, death, rebirth, or let's say, um, um, yeah, ending of a cycle, beginning of a new cycle. This is now uh, back to the USA's. Pluto return, but wherever you are on the planet, in any country, until Pluto leaves Capricorn, it's not done deconstructing the structures. Right. You know, when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, the first thing that has to happen is that the caterpillar has to end. And so Pluto has to deconstruct the caterpillar completely before it begins to reconstruct as a butterfly. So this would be a win for Pluto's deconstruction process. Pluto's deconstructing of the systems and the you know, unearthing the our corrupting systems and like the the I, I love when Christopher Runstrom talked about the floorboards of a house and Pluto and Capricorn's like uh, you know lifting up the floorboards and seeing what's underneath. Yeah. So this would be a, a, another step in that direction of that un, unveiling or revealing. Um, yes, I think so. But again, we have to be careful about placing our value judgments on this because Pluto's disintegration, its disintegration, its deconstruction can take out really good things. Right. It's a structure in general. It's like it doesn't have. But it ain't fire. done until it's done. And that's, mm. and that's, it's not that it wins over Mars. Mars might in the moment have some sort of victory. But when Mars is going to move on, Pluto is still there deconstructing. Hmm. So this, so this um, full moon is, um, is, is actually quite um, powerful because the, because the Pluto being square, the moon on one side and the sun on the other, and Mars being close enough to the sun that it's square to Pluto even tighter, it basically says... There is stuff that's going on that's not yet being released that, that has to do with standoffs, that has to do with 
people um, um, uh, and people and organizations and concepts that are vying for power and for control rather than for success. And, yeah. and, and this is the problem with Pluto is that when, when you're a conscious of Pluto and when you're willing to let go of everything, even your own life, even everything, and you're willing to do that in the name of the larger process, that's cool. But as soon as you start trying to use Pluto's energy for personal gain, Pluto's not doesn't take that lightly. And we have a situation, again, I, I, I say in the United States, but it's also going on in England, it's going on in Australia, it's going on certainly in Russia, and that is that we have um, uh, people, and this is not limited to a single um, party, although there seems to be greater offense at this point in time, but those things switch back and forth. But, but it seems like there are, there are ideas and people and, and parties and causes that are more, oh, I'm going to use this word very consciously, hell-bent, because Pluto is the lord of the hell realms. They're more hell-bent on the power and control than they are on the process of deconstruction, reconstruction. Mm, yes. And so that's that becomes, at this full moon, um, toward the end of the season of Libra, just a few days before the sun goes into Scorpio on the 22nd, and just a week before, week, week and a few days before Mars goes into, uh, into Scorpio, um, what did I say, on the 30th, um, that when those two, when Mars and the sun go into Scorpio, it's like no more Mr. Nice Guy. We're now, we're, we're now, we now see what those battle lines are. Well, maybe we could see them anyhow, but there's stuff still coming out in the open um, that I think is an ongoing process here. But this full moon is a powerhouse. We also have Mercury opposing Chiron at this full moon. It's actually exact, I think, the day prior. Um, I'm pretty sure I can get that really quickly here. Um, that Mercury um, opposing Chiron, yeah, it's on, on the 18th or 19th. Um, yeah, on the 18th, Mars trines Jupiter, quite uplifting. This is this is this is really good news. Um, and at the same time, um, we have that um, uh, we have the um, Chiron um, that is um, yeah, it's on the it's on the eighteenth that um, Mercury is opposing. Yeah, Mercury opposing Chiron, um, and that is on October. Um, 19th. Um, and um, yeah, Mercury has just turned direct. It actually almost barely doesn't back up to that degree. That's why it's not showing. It's within a hair. So that Mercury is holding still. That's why I, I couldn't find it. Mercury retrogrades back within less than a degree of being opposed Chiron. And this is about um, this is about uh, dealing with what we need to learn. Um, Chiron is is the mentor. Chiron is also the maverick. Chiron also can reveal wounds. So what happens here is that part of that full moon on October twentieth, when 
Uh, Mercury has just turned direct just a couple of days ago, but it's really not moving yet. It's about being, it's about the necessity to confront those places where we are vulnerable, those places where we have something to learn and those places where we think we're right, but we may have something to gain by, by loosening the edges a little bit, by loosening our, our by becoming a bit more flexible, I think is a good way of saying it. Okay. Did you cover everything you wanted to about the full moon and the, that time surrounding it? Well, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the significant thing about the full moon is that the full moon in Aries is impulsive and it's Marsy. And yet Mars is still in Libra and it's square Pluto. And so it's almost like if we fight, if we, if we bring things into an open um, conflict, and again, whether it's a conflict we have with our boss or an employee or a friend or a sibling or a spouse or, um, or someone in government, um, it's like if we bring this conflict to fruition, uh, I don't think there'll be a winner. You know, I think that ultimately this month keeps coming back to, you know, I was going to say compromise, but there's a whole philosophy that if you compromise, you lose. Mm -hmm. Well, here, if you win, you lose. Right. And it doesn't really, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it doesn't really sound like a compromise is an option. So because each side feels that it's dying if it gives up its position. So it's- Well, I, I think though that what happens is that the enlightened approach, and I don't see any other way out of it, is that there are compromises. And yet that doesn't mean that anyone on any side, again, whether it's a personal relationship or, or a complicated political situation, that by compromising, it, it, it's like- it's like paying the fine and not admitting to guilt, you know, which is a scenario. And so here I think that there's, there's a compromise, but it doesn't mean that anyone backs off from what their stronger position is. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So Rick, before we went on live, you said that when you looked at October, you felt like it looked creepy, (laughs) like that, that word creepy. And actually someone had a really, a really good quote in here saying that so so it's basically Halloween every day. Just <laughs> October is Halloween every day. Just when you think you gotta, this is what Diana says. So every day will be Halloween, even when you get a treat. A trick is soon to follow. I mean, would you is 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 there any truth to that? And and yeah. what about it feels like creepy? That word creepy. Is it just that there's a lot going on and it's kind of unresolved and yeah, I, I, I think creepy, not in the sense of Halloween, although I like that image. It's yeah. creepy in is that it just doesn't want to resolve mm. in a way that any of us want. I mean, everyone right now wants resolution regardless of where they are in their lives, in their personal life, in their political life, in their domestic life, in their career. Yeah. People want something to settle, and it's creepy because the, it's almost like settlement is right there, and yet as you reach it, it reach for it, it, it dissolves, it dissipates, it moves somewhere else, and that's that's creepy. Yeah. So, Rick, I have a question for anyone that's been feeling like they're watching and waiting, or it's too early to make any big moves, whatever that looks like in their life. 
Is there a time where you feel like things will be more clear and answers will be more available? Or are we in this sort of Neptunian foggy place for a lot longer? I think we're there for a bit. It doesn't mean that we won't have resolution on things along the way. Um, <clears throat> you know. But the other thing that's happening um, coming up in 2022, when Jupiter moves back into Pisces at the end of this year in December, it moves through Pisces pretty quickly. And remember, Neptune has been in Pisces. Neptune stays in a sign for about 14 years. And Neptune is well over halfway through Pisces right now. And so what that means is that um, it, that Jupiter, as it's whizzing through Pisces, when it reaches about 19 degrees or so, I don't know where Jupiter, where, 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 um, Neptune will be exactly then, but right now Neptune is at about 20 degrees of Pisces or in, in that range, that when Jupiter reaches that point in April of 2022, there's going to be an alignment of Jupiter and Neptune. And this is big ideas and opinions and and philosophy and grandiose thinking meeting imagination. And I think that that's going to tell us a lot about where we're going in the future. Um, but um, I don't I, I I don't see any strong resolution to the bigger issues or to the biggest issues um, in the near future. I just don't. I they're they're too complicated. And I really think, again, I don't remember whether it was when we were online or just before we went online, um, I mentioned that I, I'd written an article for the December Mountain Astrologer, the feature article, which is the astrology of 2022. And I was struck by the astrology of um, Election Day in the United States. And, um, and, and I don't know what that's actually going to tell us. But I think it's going to tell us something, and I think it's going to be complicated. But you don't have to be an astrologer to say that. I mean, <laughs> anyone with any sense looks at what's going on right now and says there is no immediate resolution because right. any resolution that's immediate will involve intense suppression. I don't care what the question is, and I don't care what the answer is. Whatever solution will involve suppression, and when you have suppression, that it's like playing whack-a-mole at the fair. You know, you hit it here, it's going to come up there. It's going to come up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think you need to be an astrologer. I don't even think you need to be very smart to, to see that we're not in a state of, of immediate resolution. Yeah. Well, and I just want to acknowledge, because this is uncomfortable. You know, um, Shez says, who has fog fatigue? It's like, yeah. And, and Vicky says, it's not predictable. It's unclear. And this is a hard state to be in for a prolonged amount of time. I mean, it's and that's part of what that fatigue is part of what will create more imagination. It, 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 it's almost as we fatigue more, our senses fatigue, which means we begin to see things on the side of the road as we're driving that aren't there. We can fall asleep at the wheel because we're so tired. You know, we're ready to go. Ah, you know, there's no solution. I'm, I'm, I'm done. By the way, Stacy just typed. Rick is a wizard, and Amanda is a mermaid. Oh, thank you, Stacy. That's nice. I love mermaids, and I love wizards. <laughs> um, I like, I like both of them too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
it's fascinating. And I think all of us are having to, one thing I'm thinking, as you're saying, you know, you could fall asleep at the wheel and our senses are sort of dulled or, or, or less sharp. Right. But that also could provide an opening for other types of senses to come online. Right. If we're so dependent on knowing, on being right, on having answers of being able to predict what's going to happen next and have our goals and work towards it. We're so, we're so reliant on those tools. We don't have those tools at our disposal right now. So we're having to cultivate intuition and cultivate, you know, other senses to feel our way through the, the fog. And that'll be more obvious once Jupiter goes back into Pisces and as it catches up with Neptune, um, Jupiter and Neptune is not about language. It's not about, it's not about, um, uh, rational thinking. It's about imagination, intuition, and instinct. So I agree there. Wow. Fascinating. Okay, you guys. Well, it'll be really fun when we have a month that we come on and we're like, wow, it looks amazing. You know, I kind of remember, I kind of remember months like that, but, but again, this is part of the fatigue. I was like, I'm not sure I really can remember them, but I think that we didn't used to struggle like this every month. We didn't. We definitely had times where the astrology looked like pretty smooth sailing or easy. And yes, certain signs might have, you know, or certain elements might have like a little bit more of a challenge than others, but it wasn't like, yeah, we're all, we're all in this and it's, it's hard, but yeah. I just, I just want to extend that, um, what Anne orderly coined as the astrology hug to all of you, because I know we're tired, like we're tired and it's, it's hard. And I think using this as that opportunity to cultivate some of these extra sensory, um, perception, parts of ourselves and stop relying so much on the tools that just aren't available to us. I think you should register that URL. Yeah. Which one? Astrologyhug.com. Oh yeah. That'd be good, huh? (laughs) Great idea, Rick. A place where inner circle members can go for a cyber hug. Yes. Cyber (laughs) hug. Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, and hopefully real hugs at some point. I love that you got to have an in-person event this weekend. There's nothing like it. No, no, it was so cool hanging out with Anne um, because, as everyone knows, I I adore Anne, but we have very different ways of languaging things. And every time Anne said um, in conjunct, she said, "Is Rick here? Am I in trouble?" (laughs) (laughs) Because, because as you as you know, we have this uh, in conjunct slash quincunx discussion. Um, Anne was great. Uh, Everybody who talked, all the speakers were great. The people it was a great turnout. And it was a lot of fun. It was the first time that we've had an astrology gathering, you know, in in almost two years, you know, in person, much overdue. Well, I think my first astrology gathering for bringing you into my life, because I got to meet you in Chicago at UAC. At UAC. Beginning of this. So, okay, everybody. Um, I mean, we I kind of summarized several times throughout. And I think yeah. the biggest thing is that we have a we have a really powerfully intense new moon. We have a really powerfully intense full moon. We have a like places that feel like they need to be resolved, but they can't. We have this idea of this this holding pattern. Um, we have lo- planets moving direct, but not moving that much. Right, we four planets, planets moving direct, including yeah. Mercury. 
but not moving very much. So that's right. that's weird. You know, there's just a bunch of weirdness. More frustration. Yeah, more frustration. And and what you brought up too is the potential for aggression in the midst of the frustration, um, probably due to the fatigue and also those that quincunxy energy of like not being able to see each other as well. Yeah. Be yeah. nice. Be nice. Uh, the Dalai, the Dalai Lama. I, I might be ruining this a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm off on my quotes here. But the Dalai Lama says, "When possible, be compassionate. It's always possible." Okay. So when possible. But he says both. When possible, oh. be compassionate. It's always possible. Okay. It's always possible. Okay. We'll, we'll take his word for it, and even in places where it seems impossible, we'll know that it is possible. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much. If you um, are not yet subscribed to our insider newsletter, where every week you get a summary of all the free offerings that we have from the week. Um, if you want to start tuning into some other shows that we have at the Astrology Hub Podcast Network, this is where you get a summary. I always like put my two cents in about the astrology for the week and then give you a summary of, of the different shows that are available. That's free. You go to astrologyhub.com slash insider astrologyhub.com slash insider. Make sure you follow Rick on Instagram. Uh, Rick Levine, Rick, Rick Levine astrologer. Rick, Rick Levine astrologer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then also just the update, if you missed it in the beginning about the cosmic connection until the end of 2021, we will only be doing the monthly forecast, which will happen the Thursday before the beginning of the next month. And then in January, we're going to be going back to more of our regular production schedule where we'll have our, our um, episodes where we explore all the amazing things about astrology. And we'll have some surprises for people Ooh. in 2022. Ooh, yay. I like that. Surprises on the way. Okay, good. And there'll be good surprises. Not all these other kinds of surprises we've gotten very, very used to in 2020 and 2021. So thanks everybody for being here. Rick, thank you for, for being here while you're on vacation and traveling all around. I really- Well, I'm traveling all around, but in all honesty, I'm, I'm still working, you yes. know, but, yes. but, but, I, but it, it is lovely to uh, be in the Northeast and to see and visit some old friends and, and, and siblings and, and, and my daughter. And, and so it's, it's been good. It's been good. Yes, good. I'm glad that you're getting to do that. That's great. And thanks to all of you for being here, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. If you liked this episode, please make sure and give it a like, give it a share. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, yeah, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure and let us know. Thank you so much for all the time that you spend giving us feedback. We read it all, and we really appreciate all of you so much. So thanks for being here, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Hi everyone, I'm Frank Clifford and I wanted to invite you to the upcoming Empowering Astrology series. I'm going to work with you to get a whole new empowering perspective. We're going to recognize the invitations, the challenges and the gifts in your birth chart, but also start to dismantle the fears and the prejudices. This three-week journey is happening live in October for three consecutive Wednesdays and you'll have access to the recordings for life. You can find out more and join Join me at astrologyhub.com forward slash empowering astrology. Hope to see you there.